Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. Recently, I was feeling overwhelmed with all of the responsibilities I was juggling in my work and personal life. I signed up for BetterHelp and scheduled my first online therapy session. To be honest, I was a little nervous about meeting with a therapist online, but I was matched with a great therapist who offered me a fantastic experience. She helped me tremendously in our first session, and I noticed an instant difference in my mental health. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 30,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then you can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone, or video call. You can also message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions whenever it's convenient for you. If you're matched with a therapist who isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you, you also get more scheduling flexibility and a more affordable price, especially when you get 10% off your first month by signing up at betterhelp.com MFRP. That's betterhelp.com MFRP. Check it out and sign up today. Hello and welcome to the Motivation for Regular People podcast where you'll find all the inspiration you need to start, continue, and finish the goals that matter most to you. As always, thank you for tuning into the show. We release a new episode every Thursday as well as a bonus episode or two each month. Make sure you subscribe so that you have easy access to our new episodes as they come out. If you enjoy the content, please give us a rating and a review so that others can discover the show and engage with our platform. Today's guest is Adam Hart. Adam is an international speaker and best-selling author. His mission is to help busy parents transform their quality of life and develop deeply connected relationships with their partners and children. Adam focuses on nervous system regulation, energetic attraction, and natural holistic wellness practices. He leads a group-based coaching program with his six-step Unleash Your Energy process for living aligned to the best versions of ourselves possible. Adam's knowledge of how our brains work is simply amazing, and you're going to hear so many practical insights from our conversation that you'll be able to implement right away. I don't want to make you wait any longer, so let's get started. Here's Adam Hart. Adam, thanks so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks, Brady. Appreciate you having me. Oh, of course. Yeah, you shared something as we were just kind of chatting before that sparked my interest. You said that a lack of motivation is a symptom of a disrupted nervous system. So break that down a little more for us. (laughs) Yeah, we might need a couple hours for that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, in my own, uh, coming from my own life experience, having occupational burnout in my 20s, you know, living with ADHD, um, put on medication for that as a teen and, you know, getting to a point in my life where I just had no motivation and didn't know why I lacked motivation other than I just felt so stressed out around all my life experiences. And when I discovered how to work with my own mind in terms of how it was interpreting what was going on in my life, I I found that the ability to train my own nervous system to create a mental shift in how my thoughts were operating, I began to have more daily peace, more daily calm, which then also started to really impact my 
um, executive function, the frontal lobe of the brain that is all around motivation and focus in a really powerful way. And it took a lot of uh, self-exploration to understand what it takes and find the right practices to really ignite that. And I think that's obviously what we're here to talk about. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so interesting. And I even see a parallel with my own story where you live for a while and you feel like you don't have control, you don't have freedom to operate a certain way. And then something changes and all of a sudden you realize that you control more than you think. It sounds yeah. like that's a big part of your story in this sort of self-discovery journey that you've had. Yeah. Yeah. I had to, um, I had to put myself into a real extreme fight or flight scenario to really understand how I could actually control, I can control my response to, to the fight or flight trigger. I discovered rock climbing in my late twenties and it, it came out of a necessity to want to get healthier and not wanting to buy another fitness program that had left me for years feeling so frustrated and guilty because I would miss a day or miss a week. And then I, my brain would lock into the stress of that. And the brain, you know, what I, what I ended up learning a, a, a lot about in terms of how the brain functions is it is a survival organ. And so as beautiful as it is, it does learn from our own patterns of stress. And as we have a stressful experience in life, the brain will feed off of the adrenaline as its main source of energy. And it begins to loop pattern thinking related to that experience in hopes that it will keep us triggered in a response to it. I didn't know it, but my brain had done that to me for my whole life. As a child, it used my diagnosis of ADHD as a trigger to keep producing thoughts around self-esteem, self-worth, shame, and guilt. And I got locked into that reactivity for so long. And as I got into adulthood, it did the same. It would My brain would lock into these patterns of stress around my finances and my career and my relationships and my health. And everything just felt so heavy and dark. And, and, and my brain, living from that fight or flight stress response, had my, my, my focus and my motivation at a real low capacity because your executive function is shut off when you are in that state. Rock climbing began this process where I realized that I actually could train my brain to not do that. I can train my brain in moments of stress and anxiety to let go of the use of my fight or flight adrenaline, which then ultimately started to give me more ability to recognize the power of my parasympathetic nervous system, the calm, rest and digest, which is where we're meant to be living most of our, our lives. But modern society has us knocked out of that for the most part. And when I began from climbing, realizing, wow, I could actually train the anxiety and the stress and the lack of motivation out of me. And when I found that access through climbing, it it changed the course of how everything else was working in my life in a beautiful way. Hmm. Yeah, that's so interesting. And so many things that I want to react to there. The first thing that I'll point out. So when you talk about training your brain to think a certain way, to me, that implies that it was something gradual. It didn't just happen overnight, but it was something that you had to work at and it required probably some time and some consistency. I think about the science of neuroplasticity, which I'm sure that you're familiar with, which essentially says that we can change our patterns of thinking, but it does take some time. I took a class about a year and a half ago and we talked a lot about neuroplasticity, 
but the comparison that the teacher made was like an eight lane super highway with a gravel road out in the middle of nowhere. And so when you have a new thought that runs in contradiction to an old thought that you've had, that's like paving a new dirt road. And the more that you travel that, the more easy it will become to go on that road, the more developed it will be, but it takes time and repetition. So one thought that came to mind there as you were talking, the question that I have, so you've mentioned rock climbing several times as sort of the avenue that helps you make that mental shift. What was it about rock climbing that made such a difference? Well, it was the fact that I actually had to reset my response or I actually could die. <laughs> right. So it was like this right in your face experience of anxiety where if you don't learn to manage it, you are in trouble. But what I what I learned from being able to reset it in the moments of life it was happening, which was the key. It wasn't about Adam, you got to keep meditating every morning at seven o'clock. That's the time that you get to feel peaceful and calm. I'm not knocking meditation, but the brain is working 24 seven. So what I recognized from climbing was I could actually reset my stress response in the moment it's happening. Wow. Okay. That's, that's significant. And then I started to look at the other areas of my life that I feel anxiety and fight or fight or flight based anxiety. And I realized, wow, okay, so all these other areas that I was kind of numb to, and you know, I'll give the, the dominant example that I have is my sugar addiction. And I grew up with a heavy sugar addiction as my number one source of escaping my life. And when I realized from climbing, I can reset my own stress response in the moment, I said to myself, well, what if I was to bring what I'm doing here in climbing, which is real fight or flight, bring it into the other areas that are not real fight or flight, but my brain has locked me into those patterns. And can I shift those? And the first place I took it to was my sugar addiction and realized really quick that I was able to transform my brain's desire to get me to trigger to sugar in a way where I could teach it to let go and shift how my cravings were working. And immediately I saw this massive relief in how I was working with food in my life. And it transformed my my relationship to food in a way where I, I didn't have to eliminate the sugar addiction. I just had to learn how to work with my nervous system and give my nervous system the space to teach my brain that it's okay to not crave sugar in that way anymore. Hmm. Now, the, the, the how-to of this is based off of heart rate variability. It's based off of working with your breath in the moment of life, shifting the way that your beats of your heart operate in a way that creates what's called coherence. So essentially, you're training and toning your vagus nerve. The more that we learn how to tone our vagus nerve, the beautiful part of the autonomic nervous system that communicates from the heart to the brain, you can create a space where you actually have more ability to recognize when you are feeling stress, feeling lack of motivation, feeling lack of focus, and know that in those moments that you're feeling triggered and feeling anxious, that you can train your body and your mind to become more in alignment with each other, which is the neuroplasticity side of things, but you're also activating a quantum physics piece as well, which when you combine those together, it has a feeling experience to it that you begin to learn is the feeling you actually want to have more of, the fulfillment of life, the presence of life, the, the growth state of living aligned to what's making you feel excited and motivated. And again, most of us don't have that because we're we're not taught that this is something we can do. 
we're predominantly taught ways in modern society that just create more stress, like another diet, like another fitness program, like a meditation, like a yoga, not knocking those things. But again, it's the, the discovery of being able to work with your own mind all day, every day, throughout the day, as it's, as it's still operating in, in those patterns, you recognize that you have so much more power than you were led to believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like this may be an oversimplification of what you're saying, but just as I'm trying to hear you and process things, what I'm taking away is this idea that we have these feelings and these feelings are maybe telling us something, but we shouldn't look at them as infallible as much as we should examine the feelings and try to understand what values or beliefs or perceptions are laying behind the feelings because I also think that our brains are geared towards survival, which, and this is something we've talked about on the podcast before, our brains are geared towards survival, but there are very few situations for most of us in our modern day lives that are truly survival or not. Um, And so what we do with those is we maybe perceive danger to be worse than what it truly is. And that's where that flight or flight maybe kicks in for us. Totally. Yeah. And, you know, again, with the brain looking for energy as its main source of survival, it's important for us to recognize that there's two dominant sources of energy for the brain that it learns to utilize in terms of our reactivity to our lives. Number one is the hormonal release. So when you go into a triggered state of some kind or an anxious state, a worry of your money, a worry of your career, a worry of your kids, your whatever aspect of that is, your brain's locked you into a thought process because it knows it's going to get the adrenaline and the cortisol from your reaction. Adrenaline is a surge of energy. That's the definition of adrenaline. And the brain loves it as its main source. The other one is dopamine. So the neurotransmitter that gives it, you know, it's again, the definition of it's related to the voltage of the brain. And so now you have all your escaping habits, which is predominantly dopamine based escaping habits like sugar which was my dominant one, social media, alcohol, shopping, gambling, pornography, you know, the list goes on and on to what we have access to, to escape. But yet it's coming from the same pattern of the brain wanting to be fed this energy. What happens from an early age for us, you know, we have these experiences as kids where we have, whether it's moderate or extreme stress and the brain locks into these patterns of self-sabotaging thoughts, again, this idea of self-esteem, self-worth, shame, and guilt. But on the survival front, there's also this element where we numb ourselves to the ability to feel because we learn from a young age that it's painful to feel. And so when that begins to happen, we lose touch with the ability to connect to the feeling of fulfillment as well. And in the work that I do, and I've been I've been coaching on this for 15, 20 years now, so it's, it's been a long journey. Predominantly, I'm, I'm working with busy parents who want to have the ability to regulate themselves so that they have the ability to co-regulate their kids. Big discussion. But there's an element of that that is recognizing that from, the, from a very young age, we become so numb to our own emotions and being able to feel them that when we learn how to begin to regulate our own response to stress in our lives, there is this process that we begin to, one get comfortable with our emotions, learn to be okay with our emotions, but then learn how to transform what it actually is that's happening in this moment, the frequency of our emotions. 
And you find that the more you cultivate a relationship with presence, where you're not stuck in ruminating thoughts of your past or anxious thinking about your future, you have the ability to actually play with your emotions, which shifts. This is the quantum physics side of it. So now you're playing with the, neuro, the neuroplasticity of your own mind, but then you're also playing with the frequency of your emotions, which is how you manifest. You combine those two and you realize pretty quick that you actually have a choice on how you want to feel more often. Mm. And it can build on itself in a super motivating way. Mm -hmm. But it's this all around pres it's, it's presence. It's cultivating presence as the place you get to experience your emotions from. Mm -hmm. This is fascinating. And I think that in the same breath that you say you can, I don't know if manipulate is the right word, you can control your feelings. You can also control your motivation. And so if you think about where we've come so far and even based on your own experience, how could someone take these concepts that we've talked about so far and use it to improve or enhance their current level of motivation. Yeah. And you know, when I work with my clients, the first step is one, you have to begin to understand the patterns of your own mind. Where do you notice the dominant thoughts going? Because on average, we have 70,000 thoughts a day, 70,000 thoughts a day. So if you're working from a brain that is Maybe you're diagnosed ADHD, maybe not, but there's going to be an element of the way your mind functions where there's a lot of distraction, a lot of uh, disruption based off of the ruminating thoughts around worry and and, and problem solving and fixing. And it's, it's, it's just a function of how the brain operates when we're dysregulated. The, the shifting of this and the ability to start to work with it is not really that difficult to tune into. And... There's, a, there, there's an element of what we've been told to this point that denies us the ability to understand this. But when we start to cultivate that deeper connection to feeling in this moment, it's not that you have to shift the emotions. It's that you learn to be okay with the emotions. You learn to be able to actually feel them in a way where you recognize that it's okay to let go of what's happening in those emotions and recognize at the same time that in this present moment, which is what working with your vagus nerve provides and your nervous system in this way, that you actually can start to use your emotions differently in a way where it doesn't have to be the overhauling of your life to get healthier. It's actually just giving your nervous system the right space to show you what it wants to do for you. Hmm. And all of a sudden you gain this motivation because you're able to recognize that that place of resetting your own nervous system, it's the most powerful act of self-love possible. And in that, it has a reflection emotionally that everybody that I share this with and work with on this, it has a very deep feeling of fulfillment and growth and, and a deeper understanding of, you know, what are we here for? What's the, what's the mm -hmm. point of all this? And so the purpose piece is found there as well. Hmm. Yeah, that's so interesting. So when you talk about being in the present moment and resetting your nervous system, what are two or three tips for someone who maybe hasn't thought about that before, but would like to try and implement that going forward? Yeah. And the number one result that we're after, and this is an important one because the mind loves to chase results. So it's it, it really needs to be focused on your own personal connection to what peace and calm feels like for you. 
if your mind is in that process where it's like, well, I got to lose some weight. I want to lose weight. And that's what's going to make me feel better is when I lose the weight. Okay. Well, that's operating from a very anxious frequency and you're still associated with weight as your dominant vibration. So you're only manifesting whatever emotion comes up for you historically around weight. Okay. Then that works for anything. Um, you know, maybe your marriage is kind of falling apart and it's crumbling. You wish you had more intimacy. You wish you had it, you know, everything was flowing with more ease. Okay. But we have to know that the only result we should be after as human beings at the start of this process is a sense of what it feels like to be at peace and to feel calm and present. And that's different for everybody. I don't know what it, what that feels like for anyone else. I know what it feels like for me to be here right now in my life. There are some really powerful ways to start to train that experience in. So number one, recognizing that the result is a sense of peace, a sense of presence, a sense of calm. That's what we're after. Now, if you don't believe that and you're hearing this, you're like, I don't know, I, I, don't, I don't buy into it. Okay, no problem. You don't have to buy into that. But if you're hearing this and you want to get off this train of always living one step ahead, then there's some simplicity to this in recognizing that that's all you're after, because that's what you're going to provide your nervous system to show you as an experience when you do this work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it almost makes me think about a conversation that I had with someone recently about how we like to create problems in the future that don't exist yet and then try to mentally solve those problems before they actually come into reality and it's so common <laughs> yeah it was so eye-opening for me because i realized okay i'm not actually feeling worried or anxious about things currently taking place i'm imagining problems that may come up down the road and trying to solve them before they actually happen but that's wasted energy because who totally. knows if that's actually how things are going to play out or not Totally. And so many of our societal systems actually help facilitate that relationship. You know, for example, I don't want to get off topic too much, but the medical system is one example of that, where you get a lot of medication prescribed in terms of the prevention of something. But yet the, the prevention of whatever that is has not actually happened yet, but you're taking the medication to hope that you don't get it for whatever capacity that is. And I see that a lot in my family, which is why I bring that up. The number one practice is your breath. It's the number one tool that we have is the utilization of your breath. But it's not just your breath in terms of, okay, I'm just going to breathe. There's an actual specific process of working with your breath that helps to train your nervous system into a state of peace and calm. And I know there's hundreds and thousands of breath practices out there. I found one that worked for me. I'm a data two. I got my own business. I, I'm, I'm a mountain athlete. I spent a lot of time still climbing and mountain biking. So I, I'm busy. If I can't manage my response to my life in the moments it's happening with something that actually works in that kind of a lifestyle, it's just going to be a stress response in terms of what I turn to next to feel better. So if, if there's something that I can reset my, my own experience of life and it takes less than a minute to do and it actually works well why wouldn't i choose to do that that's what climbing showed me i could actually reset my response to life in under a minute and this is the part that most of us don't realize that if we're willing to go there and work with our breath in this way and create this beautiful channel of communication between the nervous system and the brain you're never going to know that this is how you can have your life live 
And so the number one practice I get my clients to start with is a breath practice called heart flow. It's a 33 second rotation, four seconds in, seven seconds out, four seconds in, seven seconds out, four seconds in, seven seconds out, through your nose, out through your mouth. And what you find immediately is, you know, most people, there's two things that happen. My dog's here. <laughs> two things that happen. Number one is your mind is going to tell you some things around that. One, it might say, oh, this isn't going to work. I don't know. What am I doing this for? The other one is I don't have time for this. The brain goes through this process when you start this, where it becomes quite interesting because you start to recognize pretty quick that it's going into survival mode because you're not reacting the same way you normally have. So it all of a sudden, because you're resetting in the moment. So an example, you come downstairs and your kids are screaming and yelling at each other. And normally you're feeling triggered by the energy of that and the, and the, and the noise. And now all of a sudden you say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm going to try that breath practice. I'm going to just stop, take 33 seconds, reset. It changes who you are in that moment. But at the same time, your brain's like, whoa, where's my adrenaline, Adam? What, 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 what? you're not reacting? And so the brain gets louder with these thoughts, which as long as you're committed to doing that one practice alone, your brain will let go of the use of whatever that trigger is because you're no longer reacting to it. So it takes serious commitment, serious discipline, but it's still, it's a main practice in, in all the work that I do and, and share that takes under a minute to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so good. I'm glad that you reminded me of this concept. I learned from that same class that I told you about earlier about the practice of box breathing, which is very similar, I think, to what you're talking about. And I haven't done it in a while, but I need to reincorporate that into my routine because you're exactly right. It's amazing how just a simple breath practice will help you calm down and bring you back into that present moment in a way that allows you to respond rather than react. And I'm sure there's someone listening to this that is thinking, how can just breathing help me approach my life or see situations differently? I, I say just give it a try because it really can work. And even if it's 30 seconds to a minute, I think some of us, myself included, are often finding ourselves in such a hurry that it's hard to think about pausing for any amount of time to do something. But the reality is, if I take 30 seconds to a minute to practice my box breathing or the breathing practice that you talked about. And it affects my ability to show up for my work or for my conversation for the next 30 minutes or hour, or however long afterwards, what a great investment of time that was, if it puts me back in that right frame of mind. So. Well, and you, and you learn, and this is, this is really important and, and it does require a lot of, a lot of support structure around it. Cause again, the brain will try and disrupt you from this because it doesn't, you know, it's a, it's a threat. You know, as soon as you shift how you react to things in your life, it's a perceived threat to your brain because you're not giving it the same biological energy source. So there's that front. And then it's the matter of, okay, so recognizing that the more you commit to that practice, you know, it's three times a day. That's the starting point. Three times a day. That's less than two minutes a day. But you're going to learn the feeling associated with that practice. And the feeling that comes from that practice is peace. It's calm. It's presence. Mm -hmm. You're not looking at it to like, okay, if I do this breath practice, that's when I'm going to lose the weight. Okay, if I do this breath practice, I'm going to get better quality sleep. If I do the breath practice, I'm going to... No, the only result is to keep noticing the presence it brings you. And that has an energy to it 
that is so amazing and so uplifting and so motivating that it 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 becomes a more natural response to the things that show up in your life that create a trigger. Mm-hmm. But it takes time. Like it really takes time to be committed to this. It also takes surrounding yourself with others who are also working with this type of regulation. So the science behind it is nervous system regulation. Then you're able to find yourself in these positions of co-regulation where you are now in a state of regulation. So when you reset yourself in that moment, you're thinking about your wanting to get your kids to stop screaming and yelling and you pause and calm yourself down and you're now a regulated human being. You're in a state of co-regulation for your kids, meaning you're giving them an opportunity to feel your peaceful vibration, your frequency. And this is all the quantum physics. It's not goofy stuff. It's real. Mm-hmm. Either believe it or you don't, but it's real. You're going to provide them with a, with a feeling expression of safety, of love, of connectivity. That's how our kids feel safe and loved. It's not the words we say. And yes, the words are nice. It's the expression of your nervous system in terms of the emotion it's holding that they're learning from. Wow. And so you get, so then you start to feel this reciprocation of energy from those around you when you know how to regulate yourself in the presence of others that for me has become the the most beautiful manifestation of doing this work but it's also the most fulfilling feeling I have ever experienced in my life being in my own regulation in the presence of another knowing I'm providing them with a space to learn how to regulate themselves it's pretty powerful stuff it really is And I'll just add in one more thing and then we'll wrap up. It's cool to think about how you're shifting your brain from this place where the goal is, like you said, to lose weight, to achieve whatever, you know, specific concrete outcome you have in mind to this place where the ultimate goal is peace and presence in the moment that you're in. And I could even make the argument as you think about things like losing weight or whatever goal you're pursuing you know, really what you want from that is you want a greater sense of peace in yourself and your identity and your position in life. And so this really is such a powerful, you know, idea, conversation to have. So I appreciate you coming on and sharing all of these things with us. This has been fantastic. If people want to continue the conversation with you, or if they want to learn more about your work and what you're doing, where can people find you? Yeah, you could just um, head to my website, clearimpact.io clearimpact.io. And uh, I've got a free download there for anybody who um, is interested in more of the this kind of work. They can grab the, it's called the Unleash Your Energy Roadmap. Kind of outlines the six key steps I take all my clients through so they can go ahead and grab that there. Awesome. And we'll put that link in the show notes as well so people have easy access. Adam, thanks again for your time. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Brady. Before we wrap up, let me tell you about one more opportunity that will help you unlock your motivation and pursue your most important goals. If you're anything like me, you start the new week with a lot of excitement. You have big plans and you can't wait to see what happens. Once the week gets going though, you may have something unexpected come on your plate or you may simply start to feel overwhelmed by all of the tasks that you have to juggle and it can be difficult to finish the week with the same amount of motivation that you had when you started. If this is a feeling you can relate to, go to my website at bradyross.com and sign up for my midweek momentum newsletter. Each Tuesday, I'll send you a short email with a thought, quote, or reflection, often based on the podcast from the week before. This boost of momentum will help you finish your week with the same amount of drive and determination that you had when you started. 
After you sign up, you'll receive a free instant download of the introduction in chapter one of my book, Seven Steps to Dominate Your Day and Crush Your Goals. You'll learn how to maximize the power and potential of each day by planning in advance what you want to accomplish. This newsletter is completely free. I won't spam you. I won't sell your information. And you can unsubscribe at any time if for whatever reason you don't find the content helpful. I simply want to help you carry your motivation through the end of the week and give you the boost you need to start doing more of the work that matters. And I think that you'll ultimately find both the information in the email and the timing of it very helpful. So if you're interested, you can sign up today at BradyRoss.com. That's B-R-A-D-Y-R-O-S-S.com. And we'll include that link in the show notes as well. Once again, thanks for listening to today's show. Please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already done so. And if you're willing to leave us a rating, that would be awesome as well. Any positive feedback helps us grow this community and spread the word to others who may find the content helpful. As we wrap up, remember, you already have all of the motivation that you need, and it's up to you to decide what you'll do with it. Thank you.